We now know seven of the 12 games Texas will be playing in their first year in the SEC. Buckle up. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. And when you enter the promo code locked on college in all caps, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college right now. On today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, we now know seven of the 12 games Texas will be playing in 2024. Thanks to Chip Brown from Horns 24 7 for leaking part of the schedule. Then on three wrote an article about Quinn Ewers being the third best Heisman candidate entering the 2023 season. We discussed that. And last but not least, some Texas basketball talk. Can they replicate the success they got from the guard position last year in 2023? We discussed all of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So let's start with the big news, the only news that matters, the SEC schedule. And today is June 14th. We have been patiently waiting for June 14th because we knew that this is the day when the 2024 SEC schedule would be released. But Chip Brown from 24-7 Sports, Horns 24-7, who does an amazing job, I react to a lot of his articles on the podcast here, decided to give Texas fans a little treat the night before June 14th and release part of the schedule ahead of the schedule being released today. The full schedule will be announced tonight at 6 or 6.30 p.m. Central. So a lot of y'all will hear this before that. Some of y'all will hear this after that and based on what we already knew and the pieces of the puzzle that chip brown filled in last night this is what we know about our 2024 schedule thus far ahead of the official sec release right we have colorado state utsa and the georgia bulldogs at home in dkr in 2024 we have michigan texas a&m and arkansas on the road in 2024 and then we have oklahoma per usual in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, right? Those are the seven games we know right now that Texas will play in 2024. What needs to be filled in tonight, I guess by Greg Sankey, is the four remaining SEC games and the one non-conference game Texas still has to schedule because a nine-game conference schedule was not approved by the SEC. So that's what we still have yet to find out. The four SEC games we will play, aside from what I just mentioned, and one additional non-conference game and when I looked at this schedule even though it's only seven games right and it's just a preview of what we'll get going into 2024 in the SEC my first thought was damn this schedule is tough right and we knew that the schedule would get tougher when you went to the SEC I mean after all it's the best conference in college football and it just means more right so we knew that it would be tougher than what we're accustomed to playing in the big 12 but it's something about just seeing it on paper that's like damn like this is this is a schedule for sure i mean when you look at it just the home games colorado state and utsa those aren't going to be walkovers i mean they're a group of five teams texas will win those games but they're not going to just blow those teams out at least in the first half those are going to be dog fights i mean you look at the utsa game this past year granted it shouldn't have been that close, but we were down 17 to seven to UTSA at one point. I think those will be both good games. Texas will win them, but they certainly won't be cakewalks, at least in the first half. 
And then you got Georgia, who, worst case scenario in 2024, will be coming off two of the last three national championships. And a lot of people feel like they will win their third straight this year. Georgia undoubtedly is one of the top two programs in college football right now. They will be in 2024 and they will be coming to DKR in 2024. That is a hell of a home game. Then you got Michigan was a top five program in the sport right now i assume that will still be true next year you're going on the road to play them texas a&m you can say what you want about the aggies that is kyle field it's going to be rocking there is hatred there and texas a&m has all the talent and the resources in the world to succeed now maybe they need to get a new head coach but they have all the talent and the resources in the world to succeed on the road at texas a&m that's going to be a dog fight arkansas y'all remember that 2021 game where we just went in there and got punched in the mouth they hate us in Arkansas. And I don't care how much talent you got. I don't care how little talent they have. If you walk into Fayetteville, Arkansas, trying to get a win in that environment, it's going to be tough for Texas for sure. So what we know from this schedule already is super tough. And they still have to add four more SEC games to it. I didn't even mention Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. I know we just beat them 49 to zero. I know Oklahoma is down right now, but I assume by this time next year, Oklahoma will be back to being a top 10 program in college football. So a tough seven game schedule already. And you still got to add five more teams to it. You know, it remains to be seen who the four SEC games will be and if those will be easier, if they'll be tougher. And then, of course, your one non-conference game, I would assume, you know, that, you know, CDC and Texas are going to schedule something that Texas has the advantage in. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see on that. Right. So what does this mean for Texas? What is this tough? seven games soon to be 12 game slate mean for the Texas Longhorns in 2024. To me, it reiterates that 2023 has to be the year, right? And this is no disrespect to any other big 12 team. I never know who's listening, but you will never have an easier path to a conference championship again than you have this year. You will never have a easier schedule on paper. Let me, you know, clarify that on paper again, than you have this year, this year, you are only, an underdog, your favorite in every game, but the Alabama game. That means every conference game you play this year, you are favored in, whether you are at DKR, in the Cotton Bowl, or on the road. That will never be the case again in the SEC, where you're favored in every single SEC game, regardless of the location, right? This year, you have to go through teams like Texas Tech, Kansas State, Oklahoma, right? TCU to get to the Big 12 championship game. In the future, it's going to be Georgia. LSU, Tennessee, Alabama, and without divisions, you may end up having to play a team like Georgia twice to win an SEC championship. You may end up having to play a team like LSU or Alabama twice, once in the regular season and once in the SEC championship game to win the conference, right? 2023 has to be the year for the Texas Longhorns because you are by far more talented than every team in the conference, and this by far is your easiest path to a conference championship for the foreseeable future and maybe ever, right? You have to take care of business this year in 2023. You have to get to the Big 12 championship game and win it this year because there is no telling how much conference championship success you will endure when you get to the SEC. You're also losing a ton of talent. Now, I know we've done a great job in recruiting, even though the 2024 recruiting class is slow right now. We have a ton of depth and talent. And what I'm not saying is that next year the cupboard will be bare. Of course, it will not be. But you can't overstate how much losing experience and talent can do to your football team. And we're going to lose a ton of experience and talent off of this 2023 football team heading into 2024 in the SEC, where our schedule is a lot tougher. So just looking at it from the surface, these are all players that we could potentially lose after this season. Quinn Ewers, Jonathan Brooks, JT Sanders, two starters on the offensive line, probably Jake Majors and Kristen Jones, Xavier Worthy, 
Jordan Whittington, and A.D. Mitchell. That's just on offense. Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Baron Sorrell, Jalen Ford, Ryan Watch, Jade Barron, Jalen Catalan, and Jaron Thompson. Those are all starters to super rotational players that you could lose after this season going into a very tough schedule in your first year in the SEC. Nothing is going to be guaranteed next season. Hell, nothing is guaranteed this season. But like I said, it's the easiest path to a conference championship you will have in a while. Texas and Steve Sarkeesian need to take advantage. They need to win at least 10 games this year and secure a conference championship. And then also the last thing it means is at least in 2024, your home schedule in DKR is going to be kind of blah, right? We thought that, okay, when we go to, the SEC, especially looking at our 2023 schedule, our home schedule would be a lot better. When you look at our schedule this year, I mean, I think the best home game we have is Texas Tech the day after Thanksgiving, right? We were like, when we get to the SEC, that won't be the case. Now, you do get Georgia at home, right? So be careful what you ask for. You do get probably the best program in college football at home in 2024, but you got Michigan on the road. You got Texas A&M on the road. You got Arkansas on the road you got oklahoma in the cotton bowl so assuming they add at least two more home games to your slate who would they be they just don't seem like they're going to be huge draws i doubt that they're going to bring alabama back to texas after they just played there two years prior maybe tennessee maybe lsu maybe florida those will be good games but it also could be vanderbilt and you know missouri or mississippi state now i know texas fans will sign up for that the way that this 2024 schedule looks right now but it just doesn't seem like our 2024 home slate in dkr will be as great as it will be starting in 2025 and moving forward. So based on what Chip Brown has told us and what we already know, it's going to be a hell of a 2024 schedule. We got some very tough road games on it. Hell, we got some very tough home games on it. But we're headed to the SEC where it just means more. And we can't look at it like we got Georgia on the schedule. We got to look at it like they got Texas on the schedule heading into the best conference in college football. A quick word from our sponsors, and then we're going to talk about Quinn Ewers, does he have a legitimate chance to win the Heisman this year in 2023? I'm usually giving you the scouting report on Texas athletics, but today I'm giving you the scouting report on bird dogs because bird dogs make you look good. And there's nothing more I want than to see you look good. Bird dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches. So you get a way slimmer fit with without having to sacrifice movement. Bird dogs use anti-stink sweat, sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. And if you're in Texas in this heat, you know you need bird dogs for that. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college and enter promo code locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Man, it's hot in Texas right now. I don't want to go outside unless I have to. I mean, 94, 95 degrees, it feels like 115. Damn near. I don't even know what 115 feels like for real, but that's how it feels to me. All right. Jeez, it's hot in Texas, man. I hope y'all staying cool. Whether y'all wearing bird dogs or not, I hope y'all staying cool, man. It's hot. It is hot. All right. So on three, if if, if I'm not getting my content from Chip Brown at 24-7, I'm probably getting it from on three. They've been saving a brother all offseason, man, when I'm I'm trying to, you know, just bring contents from wherever, you know what I'm saying? Bring ideas from wherever on three and, and Chip Brown for 24-7 Sports. Shout out Inside Texas, too. They've all had me covered. So Jesse Simonton from on three uh, released a list of top 10 Heisman Trophy candidates 
2023. And we saw last year before Quinn Ewers had ever thrown a collegiate pass, he was top five, top six in a lot of Heisman rankings. But that was just under the assumption that Texas was going to have this crazy offense. Quinn Ewers was going to step right in as essentially a true freshman and be amazing. And obviously that didn't happen. So that was just Vegas kind of covering themselves in case it did happen. But nobody felt like Quinn Ewers was a legitimate Heisman candidate, right? He was ranked higher than B. John Robinson. We all felt like as Texas fans, B. John probably had a way better chance, at least I did, going into the season to win the Heisman than Quinn Ewers did, right? Especially somebody we had never seen in game action at the University of Texas. But this year, I think it's different, right? Because we feel like this is the year for the Texas Longhorns. And based on that 2024 schedule, I just read it better be the year for the Texas Longhorns. But we feel like Quinn Ewers is going to take that next step, right? That next step we've seen for so many college quarterbacks in the past. And I don't want to say the Joe Burrow leap because I think that's extreme. I don't think Quinn Ewers will make that leap. But we've seen a lot of quarterbacks get a lot better from year one starting to year two starting. And we expect that for Quinn Ewers. Also, there's a ton of talent around him. I mean, you can make the argument outside of maybe USC, there's not another Heisman candidate that has as much offensive firepower around them, not to mention Steve Sarkeesian, the one designing the plays and calling the plays. So we expect a lot of offensive fireworks at the 40 acres this year. And that's going to benefit Quinn Ewers more than anybody, right? Because quarterback is the most important position on the field. Now he's going to be the most important person in terms of delivering that dynamic uh, offense. But if he does, he's going to get the majority of the credit for it because he is the quarterback and he's a household name. So not going to go through all 10 of Jesse Simonton's Heisman trophy candidates in 2023. We're just going to go through the top five, Caleb Williams, from USC, Jordan Travis from Florida State, Quinn Ewers from Texas, J.J. McCarthy from Michigan, Jaden Daniels from LSU. The next four are quarterbacks. And then at 10, just to get funky, he put Marvin Harrison Jr. at wide receiver at number 10, right? So, I mean, I guess I could see it happening because Devontae Smith did it. So why can Quinn Ewers win the Heisman in 2023? Because I definitely think he's capable and I definitely can see a scenario in which he is a Heisman finalist in New York at the end of the season, one of the top three. I think Caleb Williams will repeat. I think he'll win the Heisman again. There's just too much talent around him. He's too good. He's in Lincoln Riley's system. I think they'll win a lot of games this year. So I think Caleb Williams repeats. But I'm about to make the argument as to why Quinn Ewers could win the Heisman and what he would need to do to be a finalist for the Heisman at the end of the season. So why can't he win it? Because he plays the right position. As I told you on this list, nine of them were quarterbacks and then Marvin Harrison Jr., was number 10 on the list, but he's not going to win it, right? Quarterbacks win this award every year outside of the fluke year for Devontae Smith, where he just went absolutely bananas. And you could still make the argument that Mac Jones deserved the Heisman in 2020. So Quinn Ewers plays the right position. If Texas is really good this year and really explosive on offense, Quinn Ewers is going to get the bulk of the credit for that playing the quarterback position. Also, he's a household name for a big brand. Everybody knows Quinn Ewers' names, right? For good or for bad. If he plays bad, everybody's going to rush to dump on Quinn Ewers because he had that type of hype coming out of high school, right? But if he plays well and lives up to the hype, that hype is only going to get crazier and crazier, right? Because he is a household name for a big brand at the University of Texas. People are waiting on Quinn Ewers to be great, right? So they can put him on the cover of every magazine and use him for every headline. People are waiting for the University of Texas to be great so that they can put the University of Texas in every headline, right? Well, if you get that perfect storm this year with Quinn Ewers balling out at the University of Texas, he certainly, even if it's just media hype, will be put in that top three of Heisman candidates because he is a household name at a huge brand, right? That doesn't compare to somebody like Jordan Travis at Florida State or Michael Penix Jr. at Washington, 
who might end up with better stats than Quinn Ewers, but Quinn Ewers will have the media push behind him to get him to New York at the end of the season. And like I said, with Caleb uh, Williams, he's on a team capable of winning a lot of games and dominating offensively. And that would be the key to him winning a Heisman or him being a Heisman finalist at the end of the season. So what does Quinn need to do in 2023 to end up in New York at the end of the football season when he has to shine against Alabama. When I'm looking at the schedule, I don't see a lot of opportunity for signature moments from Quinn Ewers, right? And when I'm looking at how the media will look at our schedule, I think Alabama really is the only opportunity for a signature moment from Quinn Ewers, right? You go into Tuscaloosa, you outduel whoever their quarterback is, you beat Nick Saban and Alabama on the road, and you show out doing it. That will be Quinn Ewers' signature Heisman moment in 2023. Like I said, I just don't see another scenario on the schedule where he could get it. Not against TCU, not against Kansas State, not against Texas Tech, Houston, BYU, you name it. There's just not going to be any other opportunities for it. Maybe if the Oklahoma game, which is nationally televised, is a dogfight between him and Dylan Gabriel, I hope not. I hope not. But if it's going back and forth, then Quinn comes out in the end and maybe a 48-45 shootout and he plays really well, that could be a Heisman moment too. But I think his biggest benefactor in his Heisman argument will be what he does against Alabama. If he goes into Tuscaloosa and shines, that'll be great for him. Also, I think you have to win a Big 12 championship, right? It was different for Max Duggan because they had went undefeated prior to that. So they were 12-0, and 0, even though they lost the Big 12 championship. He had still put together an undefeated season. I don't see a scenario in which Texas loses the Big 12 championship or doesn't make the game. And Quinn Ewers is one of the top three Heisman candidates in college football. So I think he needs to win the Big 12 championship and have a great game against Alabama to be considered amongst the likes of Caleb Williams and all these other quarterbacks like Bo Nix, all these other players that are going to put up crazy numbers this year. And I think for anybody that's going to win the Heisman, especially at the quarterback position, you have to account for 4,000 total yards. Of course, with Quinn Ewers, that's mostly going to be passing yards and 40 touchdowns. Of course, with Quinn Ewers, that's mostly going to be passing touchdowns. But I think that's the baseline for him to be in New York at the end of the season. Like I said, I could see a scenario in which maybe – you know, Michael Penix Jr., Jordan Travis, Bo Nick, some other quarterbacks have, you know, more stats than he does, have better stats than he does. But I think if he has a great season at the University of Texas, Texas wins the Big 12 championship game, knocks off Alabama or almost knocks off Alabama on the shoulder of Quinn Ewers. And he has a really good season and Texas wins 10 games. I think he will be in New York at the end of the season as a Heisman finalist, even though I think Caleb Williams will repeat this year in terms of winning the Heisman. A quick word from our sponsors, and then we're going to talk about the Texas basketball team. Can they get the same guard play this season that they got last year, which was one of the best in the country? So when I look at our guards going into this season and Inside Texas is reporting that Ronnie Terry and his staff are still looking for another guard from the transfer portal, which I think is key. You know, last year we had a legitimate four guard rotation. This year it's at three right now. And even though I think you may have improved your guard play you still need another guard at the minimum to come in uh, and knock down threes and be a defender this looks like a basketball team that's going to be a lot better than it was last year in terms of shooting the three and it looks like a basketball team that was good defensively last year but I think you brought in some players that can take this team to an elite level defensively right so I think you want to bring in another guard that can fit right into that mold, right? I don't think you need to bring in another guard that's going to handle the ball half the game or come in and be your secondary point guard, but just somebody that can fit in to the system that Rodney Terry and his staff wants to run, right? He said he wants 
to build this team in the image of that Miami team last year. And so you need somebody that could come in, defend the ball, shoot threes and, you know, slash to the rim when need be cut when need be and get easy buckets. So when I'm looking at the guards that we have last year, because that was the strength of our basketball team last season, can what we have this year compare to what we had last year? And so it starts with Max Amos, who is the active points leader in college basketball, somebody I have a ton of respect for and his game and what he was able to accomplish at Oral Roberts, taking them uh, to the Sweet 16, I believe, at his peak. Uh, with Kevin O'Banner there, who eventually transferred to Texas Tech. And when I compare him to Marcus Carr, I think that is an upgrade at that position. And Marcus Carr was first team all Big 12. He was great for Texas for the last two years. But I think Marcus Carr was a two guard that was always masquerading as a point, right? He got the opportunity at Minnesota and schools before that to kind of just be a, a shot chucker and a volume shooter on a bad basketball team, right? He had to come to the University of Texas and learn how to be a point guard, right? Learn how to balance between scoring and getting his other teammates involved. And even though he got better at it, I don't feel like he was ever fully comfortable doing it. That's something that Max Amos is fully comfortable doing right now. The only question about Max Amos is can he handle the step up in competition? But it's basketball. It's 94 feet, right? You drop the ball and hoopers are going to hoop, right? So I think he's going to do that. And like I said, I just think he's already better equipped to run a offense than Marcus Carr was for Texas, right? I think he's going to be really good out of the pick and roll. He's going to be really good as the primary ball handler. And he knows when to take over a game and score and when to get his teammates involved. And he's going to have way better offensive teammates around him than he ever did at Oral Roberts. So I think Max Amos is going to be really good. From the article I read, they said he looks better than they expected him to already. And they're expecting him to be a first or second team all Big 12 player. I think we upgraded at the point guard position from Marcus Carr to Max Amos. And that's no disrespect to Marcus Carr one of my favorite players to ever put on a Texas basketball jersey. Please don't get it twisted. When you look at Tyrese Hunter, I'm comparing him to Tyrese Hunter from last year. And he started off Grady at the 26-point performance against Gonzaga. I think he had 29 in that first Kansas State game. But there was a large stretch of the season where it just looked like he was very timid on the offensive end. And towards the end of the season, I think it started with that second Iowa State game. He got a lot of confidence on the defensive end. He turned into our best on-ball defender. And he shot a lot better from the three-point line and I'm not the biggest you know body language expert but I remember watching in the NCAA tournament watching those videos that the Texas basketball Twitter would post and I was like Arterio Morris doesn't look happy right and this is when we were winning games in the tournament I came out here on the podcast and I said Arterio Morris doesn't look happy he ends up transferring out right now I'm watching these hype videos and tapes they're posting for summer workouts right where they're working out right now getting their conditioning down and working out with Ronnie Terry and Tyrese Hunter just looks different, right? He looks like he has a different confidence. He's leading the workouts. He's being a vocal leader. That's what I want to see from Tyrese Hunter because he's one of the three starters coming back on an Elite Eight team. I want him to come in with that mindset, right? Like, this is my team. Yeah, y'all brought in Max Amos, but I was here last year. This is my team, and I want him to play with that confidence on the offensive end and the defensive end. I think if he does that and he comes in with that level of confidence, he'll be better than he was last year. So that's another upgrade for Texas. When you look at Kendall Weaver, I'm going to compare him to Arterio Morris. He's going to be coming off the bench. Didn't want to compare him to Sir Jabari Rice because Jabari Rice came to Texas with four years of experience. Arterio Morris came to Texas with zero years of experience. Kendall Weaver's coming to Texas with one year of experience. So I'm going to put him closer to that Arterio Morris tier than the Serge Ibari Rice tier. And I think he'll be better than Arterio Morris was last year. If you remember in the beginning of the season, Arterio Morris turned the ball over a lot, could not shoot the three well at all. He really came in and was probably a negative for Texas until 
later on in the season, he got better at defense and he became a consistent three-point shooter for this Texas basketball team. Well, Kendall Weaver already was a 40% three-point shooter in college last year. I expect him to stay around that mark or get better if he can at the University of Texas. He's already somebody that likes to slash to the rim and is going to play more aggressive than Arterio Morris did as a true freshman at the University of Texas. Now, I'm not sure how good of a defender he'll be if he can match Arterio level, uh, Morris's level on the defensive end. But even if he doesn't, I think he'll have the defenders around him to cover up for that. And I think he'll be a better combo guard at Texas than Arterio Morris was in his one year. Because like I said, all he really did for us was shoot threes and defend. Not saying all as if he didn't do enough, but that was his role. I think Kendall Weaver will have a bigger combo guard role this year for the University of Texas. So I think we'll see a bigger impact from Weaver in 2023 than we did from Arterio Morris in 2022. Now, we don't have a replacement for Serge Jabari Rice, and I don't think we will have a replacement for Serge Jabari Rice. It's just hard to find somebody who is such a glue guy, somebody that can come off the bench and give you 15, can be your best player in, you know, 31 and 32 minutes off the bench, right? He was just a special player, a special get from this staff from New Mexico State, and he's going to be hard to replace, right? I don't think you can just go get a Serge Jabari Rice from the transfer portal every year. But like I said, I think our guard play overall will be a little bit better. I think our three-point shooting will be significantly better than it was last year. I think our defense will be significantly better than it was last year. And I think you'll see definitely more of a scoring punch from Dylan DeSue and Dylan Mitchell than you did in 2022, which would lessen the need for a Serge Barry Rice off the bench. So you're not going to have a replacement for him, but I don't necessarily think you need him based on the way that this team is built. If you bring in another guard from the transfer portal that can shoot threes, defend and slash to the basket occasionally, we're looking at another Texas team that could get to the Sweet 16 or further in the NCAA tournament. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked on Longhorns, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Day will be back tomorrow to recap the full 2024 schedule for your Texas Longhorns in the SEC.